It's kind of a wacky Wednesday, everybody. This is the Pinball and Cool Stuff Podcast. Thank you for joining me today. It's hump day. Hey there. What a wacky Wednesday indeed. It's Ian back with you. Thanks for uh, joining me today. I don't usually do a Wednesday, but um, I had a lot of notes, a lot of stuff I was uh, listening to and, and watching on Twitch, and I wanted to get on today. But first of all, we have finally got a pinball in Eric's garage. Congratulations, Eric. So I was surfing the web on OfferUp, and there was a an EM machine called Pro Football by Gottlieb. It's a 1973. They played it in the Pinburg Finals, if you want to go check it out. Um, I think Elwin won that round. Uh, in any case, it was on sale out there in Temecula. So I texted Eric while I was at work. I said, hey, do you want to go split on a machine? And you can keep it in your garage indefinitely because I'm moving and I don't want to move it. So he can just keep it. And we'll figure out when it's going to come to my garage for whatever amount of time, right? So Eric said, yeah, sure, sure. So we put a couple hundred dollars in our own pockets. We drove out with our children, no less, to Temecula to this house. And it was a gorgeous home. This guy was a, a millionaire for sure. We go into this gigantic house in Southern Temecula. I'm trying to keep my kids from destroying the house because my wife was out at yoga. So there I was with my two crazy children and Eric had one of his daughters. And we managed to walk in and let and sit the kids down and sort of let them behave, I guess. Thank God for that. So we uh, we got to test playing it, and the game was in decent shape. And so we made an offer, and he said okay. So I met a uh, nice guy named Johnny out of this uh, out of this sale. He was the seller, and I was talking to him, and he said he wanted to buy a DMD machine, but he didn't know a whole lot about pinball. So I was kind of telling him about uh, the museum and stuff like that, and trying to see if he wanted to go to the uh, Pinball Madness Festival on October 18th. And so he had never heard of the Pinball Museum. So it was a good opportunity to spread the love and spread the Pinball Museum's uh, reputation and try to get a new uh, group of people out to the museum in October. So we uh, loaded the machine up. Uh, strangely enough, we we were really foolish. We um, we were transporting the machine and we loaded it in the truck. And I didn't I didn't think to look in the coin door for the back box key to to cut or to uh, let the head down to take the bolts out and, and lay it down before he transported it. So we said, all right, let's just drive safe, right? So we drove home with this machine in the back with the head up, bolted up, and um, got it home safely, though, thank goodness. Head was intact, no problem. And I opened the coin door, and there the keys were. So I'm like, ah, well, at least we don't have to buy a new cam lock, but um, we should have checked the coin door. I guess we were both so excited. I know I was. It was exciting. I was really happy to get a machine in Eric's garage, even. And it's just, uh, it's fun to have an EM around. I'd only have one in my garage, and now Eric's got one in his, so I'm glad... We played it for a good hour last night, just enjoyed the heck out of it. And um, no, I think somebody did a quick refurb job on it. Looks like it's got new plastics and and it looks like it's got, it's definitely got new rubbers. Uh, it's beautiful, it's it's good. There's not a lot of play field wear. There's only a little bit of art missing. Back glass looks nice and clean. So we got a nice little, would that be 30, 40? 40 years would be 2013. So it's 46 years old, this machine. I am shocked the condition of a 46 year old machine. So. Really stoked. Can't wait to go back over to Eric's and play. It's going to be a great time. And um, that's what happened yesterday, man. Wacky 
uh, Taco Tuesday. But um, yeah, here we go. So the uh, close call episode was last um, last episode. And I think I kind of forgot, maybe I didn't say this, but let me say it now. The Alien Machine, which I think was better than TZ, uh, for the reasons I stated. I think the kicker is this, and that's, let's revisit this briefly before we move on. Alien, when you turn it on and you hit start, it's an experience. The game gives you that feeling that you're in the movie, you're inside of the spaceship, you're being attacked by aliens. And that just might be the kicker, guys. So go play Alien, check it out, see what you think. But I'd love to hear your input. You know, I was watching YouTube. Here's my cool stuff topic for today. Sometimes random videos pop up in your subscription feed or whatever on your YouTube uh, homepage. And there was this video that said, sailing from LA to Hawaii on a 23-foot boat. So go check it out on YouTube. This was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. This guy named Sam Holmes, presumably from California, took his little 23-foot sailboat and sailed from San Pedro, LA that harbor there, to Hilo, Hawaii, 3,000 miles, I think, all right, it took him, I think, 27 days, he was alone on a boat for 27 days in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, I mean, I wrote him a comment, I said, I'm impressed, man, I, I, I would never have the courage to do this, and it's just incredible how how brave people are with that. I can't believe that any one person would ever volunteer to do that. That's amazing to me. But it uh, it's just it's just shocking to see how well the guy dealt with it too. I know I'd probably lose my mind after four or five days alone on the water. But this guy was as chipper as could be after 27 days. It was amazing. So go check out YouTube. Sam Holmes is the guy. That's his username too, so you can find him pretty easily. And uh, it's just incredible. So I was amazed. That was a thing I watched uh, at work when I was kind of messing around on a break, but um, incredible, incredible. So I got a message from our friend Chuck this last week, and I, I didn't mention it earlier. We didn't, we didn't really have enough time to go through all this stuff last time. And Chuck sends us all a text message, says he was off of his Wizard of Oz machine for months, right? And he started playing it, and within maybe even just the first game, he said he GC'd the machine. And I said, that's really neat. You know, it's cool to, to take a break from a machine and get on it and just beat it, beat it up really good. And I actually have done that too. I was off of Judge Dredd for like two weeks and I got on it. And within three games, I had GC'd my machine. So it's funny how like a small, short break from a machine sometimes brings you back better than ever. And you can just, just beat the crap out of the machine the next time you, you play it. Uh, that's really neat. So I was, um, I, was, I was talking to Pete last week, my buddy Pete. I asked him if he would do a temporary trade when I'm moving. So I'm moving to Marietta, and I'm going to be moving machines. So I was like, hey, why don't we just do a switch, you know? So he's considering it. I'm trying to see if he wanted to trade one of his machines temporarily for my Roadshow, my Judge Dread, or my Monster Bash. Those are the ones I'm putting up. We'll see what he says, but I'd love to trade a machine for just temporarily. And it's interesting, like, I, I worry about, like, moving the machines as anybody does, which is obvious for obvious reasons. But it's kind of like, man, sometimes you just got to, like, move them around, let people borrow them, trade them, whatever, um, so I hope it works out, I really do, I don't know if Pete's gonna be into it, but hopefully he will, hopefully we'll see him this weekend, we have a tech day at the Museum of Pinball this weekend, the 7th of uh, September, and it's gonna be a great day, if I don't move that day, I will be there at 8am, bright and early, ready to fix machines, 
It's gonna be roasting hot out there in the desert, but I'm still excited. We've got just over one and a half months now before Pinball Madness, and we got a lot of work to do before the next event. So we have our work cut out, cut out for us, and uh, I'm just, I'm really excited to go see the guys again. I haven't been there for about, I want to say six weeks since I went to a tech tech day. It was August 13th, no, not August 13th. Yeah, it was, I think it was August 13th, so it wasn't that long, maybe three weeks. But anyway, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be really neat. So this week I was listening to Canada. I think it was uh, a Monday. I was listening to Canada. And he was talking about something really interesting, which I, I don't know if I agree with it, but tell me what you think. It, he was saying that the pinball manufacturers are serving, strictly serving the operators and not the collectors like us, not the home use people. And I, I, I tend to understand that perspective because these machines are made to make money, they're commercial. But I can't believe that there's more operators than consumers buying them. I mean, his take is these guys are designing them, quality be damned for the routing people. They don't care about them either. They just want to make money, right? Bottom line is everything. But I'm just like, and, and I guess the, the natural inference there would be that the companies don't have our back to provide us with a quality product or support it with warranties, etc. And I, I, I think I disagree, and I'll just say this, I, because I know plenty of people who buy new machines, and I know that lots of people on Pinside and etc. are buying new machines. And people like Stern or companies like Stern and JJP are listening and spooky. They are listening to people like us. They're not, they're not necessarily strictly listening to the routers and the operators and they're listening to distributors and what their consumers are telling them and, and about what's, what's good and bad and how to make it better, etc. So I, I don't know. I just don't know if I believe that this whole thing about quality that we're experiencing today with the play fields and some of the, some of the reliability issues are the result of just saying to hell with quality. I'm looking for an operator market anyway I don't care about collectors because it just doesn't seem like it's likely because they know there's lots of us out there buying machines there's lots of people with disposable income who are ready to plop it down for a nice JJP next time so this whole I guess people are just blowing this clear clear coat thing out of the water they're really just blowing it up and it was interesting I think Jersey Jack went on a podcast and said don't pull your star posts off your play fields and so people are going under their, their Jersey Jack machines, and they're pulling the star post off to see what happens, and it's ripping the clear coat off. And I'm not taking my clear, I'm not taking my star post off my game, period. I won't, unless I absolutely have to, to fix something. And the reason is because I bet you a million bucks it'll lift the clear and pull the paint off or pull the art off. I mean, it's just happening, so why force it, right? Just deal with the pooling, it's fine. I feel like my gameplay is great. I'm, I'm all right with it, but I'm beating the same old drum again, and I don't want to do that over and over. But I'm just going to say this: they don't, they do care. These clear code issues will be fixed. Let's just move on. Let's just enjoy the games. Let's have fun. Uh, another thing that Canada mentioned, which I'll, I'll sort of reiterate here, was that he was saying they're designing these games for operators that are, you know, they want the game to be short, so you can't go deep into the game. Like Wonka is the best example. It's hard, and you can't really get too deep in the game because it's designed for short ball times. I understand that. Um, so that's the, that's the theory, right? It's better for operators because it's just quick and it's not for home use only people because it, we want the longer playing game. We want to beat the game. And they say that's ill-conceived. That design is ill-conceived because of that. And I'm not sure I'm going to disagree with them again on this, or at least the idea of that, because I'll say this, I'm an okay player. I'm not as good as I want to be, but I, you know, I'm okay. I can hold my own and I can get some, I can get pretty deep in the game. And as soon as I learn more about the game, I know I'm going to get a little deeper um, I just think it's a matter of reps, and uh, it's not too hard to get a lot of accomplishments in the game. But there is a huge difference 
huge between somebody like me and any one of the competitors that usually and typically offer on on real tournaments and in major tournaments. Like anybody who's joining a major tournament like Pinberg or Indisc with the intention of getting at least into the B division, those guys are at such a higher level than people like me and a lot of the people that I know that even, it's just not even comparable, right? So these guys would get on a Wonka and destroy it. That was set like my home, my home machine is. But you get them in a tournament machine and they all go down because they're set to kill you. But the, the point is, there is such a great divide between like B division or C division at, at, at Pinburg and people like me who don't really complete, compete that it's not even fair to say, well, you can't go deep in the game because it, it was designed for operators. Because people like me aren't good enough anyway to even mess with those B and C division guys to go deep in any game. So that's that's what I have to say about that. Like even on like Monster Bash, Monsters of Rock, you have to beat every monster and then, you know, start the, the, the wizard mode. That's not easy. People say, oh, Monster Bash is easy. I'm like, I own the machine. I've never got Monsters of Rock, all right? I don't know. I just, this perspective about like, let's just, it's, it's, it's built to, to murder you is, is, is probably not true because any game would, would slaughter people who are more like me, I guess, who are just average to below average players, you know, people who don't compete a lot. We're going to get worked, you know, we, we expect it, but we love the game anyway. So I guess that, uh, that, that perception, I, I just don't agree with. It's these people who compete regularly are just upper echelon and that's all there is to it they're the ones who are going to get wizard mode because they're so freaking good so god love them <laughs> anyway um i really appreciate you joining me today it is going to be 14 minutes and it's burning up in my car but i want you guys to do something this weekend watch some nfl football don't miss it opening weekend the season starts thursday bears packers but sunday is the real full day of football hope you guys enjoy it Joy, uh, if you don't watch sports, try it this year. Just try something new. Jump on ABC or Fox or CBS this weekend on Sunday. Catch a game. Just get into it because it's an American pastime now, everybody. Appreciate you listening. PCS Podcast out. Oh, be